coming to you live from the Business Radio X studio in Woodstock, Georgia. This is Fearless Formula with Sharon Klein. And welcome to Friday Fearless Formula uh, on Business Radio X. And this is your host, Sharon Klein. And this is where we talk about the ups and downs of the business world and offer words of wisdom for business success. And today on the show, we have the owner of and founder of Cordor Publishing. This is the parent company that publishes Taste of 575 magazine. I'm very excited to talk to Gerald Griffith. Hello. Hey, Sharon. How's it going? Good. How are you? I'm doing wonderful. <laughs> Yay. I'm so glad to have you on the show. It's been interesting because I have noticed this magazine like for a couple issues now. And one of the reasons that I had Say La Vie on our, on our show is because you had interviewed them for your magazine. And so I think it's funny how our like worlds kind of all overlap and collide like that. So thank you. It's a small community. <laughs> it is. And now they're like good friends of mine, which is so crazy. <laughs> All right, so um, I've been reading your bio, and you've been around Cherokee County for quite a while, but you started in Jacksonville, Florida, which is where I am originally from. And then you were in Savannah in the military, and you were in radio, which is cool. So tell me about that. Well, I, I tend to get involved in a lot of things. Um, my travel time was a lot of when I was doing in the military. So when I left Jacksonville, I was in the Army, and uh, – Went to Korea, then ended up back in Fort Stewart, Georgia, and at the time ended up in uh, radio after coming back from Desert Storm. And oh, wow. So, uh, I didn't even know you were at Desert Storm. Yeah, so I had a chance to, to do a short stint in radio and uh, ended up moving back into Florida, then to up north doing IT stuff for a while. So um, my my degree in technology is, is kind of what I did in college, uh, things like that. So, wow. Um, just dabbled in a lot of different things and, and have fun learning all the way. You're like a jack of all trades kind of person. <laughs> Don't you think? You know, if you've got a lot of different skills in a lot of different places. So Yeah, the funny thing about that phrase, uh, it's just a really quick story with that is, you know, most people will say that and, and they'll have mixed intent when they say it sometimes. Oh. But the actual phrase is uh, jack of all trades, master of none <laughs> is oftentimes better than a master of one. <gasps> Listen to that. I and, never actually knew that whole phrase. Yeah, so it was intended as a compliment that a person could do a lot of different things, which meant in the theater world, they were more useful to the production oh. instead of someone who was a one-trick pony. So that's you. You're useful <laughs> in lots of I ways. Like, I like to think so. So when, when I heard the whole thing, I was like, oh my gosh, all this time they were cheating me out of a compliment. Uh, heck yeah. Yeah, I'm glad to know that whole story because it's funny. People Sometimes that's referred to me because I have like my... I don't know, my toe in lots of different places. So I do appreciate the idea of saying, you know, you have a lot of diverse skills right. that can be plugged into different places. I actually didn't think about it like that. Yeah. And, and a lot of things are like that because, you know, you just have to be able to do different things. Um, communication skills is an important thing. Being able to talk to people on a lot of different levels, being able to work in a technology space. So when I was in corporate, I would have to work with people in the call center who may have just started working with computers, but I'd also have to work, work with a VP or the president of the company who may also be new to computers, gotcha. but their place in the company and what they needed from me was different. So you have so, to shift your energy right, a little so bit. So you'd have to shift and be able to be very dynamic in that process. Um, and then go back to the IT department and talk to people who were tech minded. Yes. So it comes in handy. And uh, I think having grown up, 
in a large family down in the South and, and always being around different people of different backgrounds, you, you get used to talking to people from a lot of different uh, walks of life and things like that. And so it just, it just all layers on top of each other and works out well. It does. I do think that's a skill. There are some people who struggle in like that social setting, but like if you feel like you can talk to anybody at any time or at least find a commonality, right. there's something kind of calming about it. You're never going to feel like you're in the wrong place. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and people enjoy that when they feel that you're not talking up to them or down to them, but you're talking to them. Relating. Absolutely. I love that. <laughs> How did you like being in radio? I liked it. I, I did it. Uh, I think they gave me a shift. I'm, I'm still, you know, in hindsight, I look at it. I don't know if it was just because I was okay at radio or because they couldn't find anyone else to work the, <laughs> the midnight to 6 a.m. shift or something. It was, <laughs> it was a small gospel radio station oh, there wow. in Savannah, Georgia on, on the river. And um, it was great. It, it was It was great to go there and the only hard part about it was the hours between three and five. Oh, and that sleep monster. Oh, was, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was it was tough. I'd be walking around the studio trying to do all kinds of stuff to stay awake. Uh, that's but, like I always think about how like in there are some cultures where that's like your siesta time. That's where you nap and then you get up at like six and then you ha you're yeah. up until like ten. But there's something kind of nice. Oh. Oh, oh yeah, a.m. Yeah. Oh, I thought yeah, you were this, talking about no, afternoon. No, no. This is 3 a.m. to 5 a.m. Oh, so you work night shifts <laughs> and all that. Well, no, I can't imagine. <laughs> yeah, I was like, man, that's a late siesta. I don't like, like what I was thinking. But although I do get that thing where after lunch, I'm like so tired. I know. You know? I know. But it was, but it was great. I think it was always a good experience. Um, I think back even in summers, I would go to uh, Fernandina Beach and, and be in a church setting. And so my brother-in-law was had a band. They were in a, a church band thing that they would travel around. And so I would often go with them when I was there and help set up the equipment and things like that. So I've always been around that space. I've got a brother that sent to music a lot. And so it was a very common you know thing for me to work in a space of hooking up things and being around people and, and things of that nature. How did you get involved in the corporate world then with IT then? Like what oh, was wow. the path? Yeah, the funny thing is uh, when I came back and got out of the military and everything, I had a short stint uh, working at Toyota. Oh. But I was doing IT stuff. I had always done it. I just never thought about it as a job. Uh, and one day I did a test drive with this gentleman. He worked at um, an IT company. And we were just on the test drive, just riding and, and he was chatting with me and everything. And I was telling him about the you know, things I had done with computers. And, and so we get back from the test drive and before we get out the car, he said, so, um, why are you doing this? I said, <laughs> you really should be doing something else. You know, you should be working with computers. You definitely know enough about that. And, um, I was like, well, it's just something I do for fun. You know, he said, exactly. That's the best kind of job to have. Wow. <laughs> and uh, from there, I, I just, one thing led to another. Um, it was right before Y2K and um, opportunities were very plentiful in IT at that time. And I went to Philadelphia and, and uh, wow. that, was, that was when I started working in that area. So you were part of the group of people that would say, change your date on your computer before midnight. You know, I, was, I was in IT during that time. Yeah, and, and yes. the stickers that they used to have on the sides of computers that would, you know, say, don't forget to make sure that you've backed mm -hmm. up your computer because everything's going to end. 
Yeah, no one, no one knew what was going to happen. Right? <laughs> yeah. so it's like, oh my god, this is like a bad movie or something. But, yeah. <laughs> but nothing happened. <laughs> but yeah. still, it was it was a concern. So that was interesting. That's probably a very interesting time to be in IT. It was, but but the cool thing about it was, if you had an interest in it, there was somebody willing to train you or teach you. Uh, uh, things like that. And so it gave me a, a really big opening to jump into the space. All right. So you were in IT mm-hmm. in Philadelphia for how long? How long was that your stint? Uh, in Phil- I mean, well, technically, I guess I'm still in IT because I do some, but uh, I worked at various companies because a lot of the companies um, were getting bought and sold um, past that time. So I had the opportunity to find myself in a lot of transitions between one company to another. I, I went to Nextel and then wow. about six months later, they got bought by Sprint. Uh, <laughs> and it seemed like every company I'd go to, like within six months or so, they were bought by some <laughs> other company, which, which always made life interesting. But, yeah. uh, but again, you, you just have to kind of get used to the transition. And a lot of those were contract things back then. And so got you you. Just, yeah, I worked at Ikea for a while for their headquarters, though. Interesting. Which is in, just outside of Philadelphia. Did you do IT things for them as well? Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. I worked in the headquarters, which was behind the, the main uh, showroom there. Uh, they had a small building. There's maybe three levels there. And uh, most people don't even realize it's behind the building, but it's, oh. it's back there. And you go and they'd have all the, the internal workings of that headquarters location for North America. Wow. Yeah. And then, okay, so after, I'm trying to, like, I'm leading up your story to this magazine. So. It's all good. It's all good. <laughs> so what happened after that? Like, where did you go after that? Um, I ultimately ended up at Washington Gaslight in uh, in Maryland. Okay. So I had an opportunity to come down to, to Maryland, did that. And, uh, gosh, I was, I was there when uh, 9-11 happened. In fact, I was a few blocks from the Pentagon when I oh, no. so that was, that was a very interesting day. Can't imagine. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was, it was, it was, it was another scene out of a movie. I looked out the window and you could see all these people running and I kind of stood there a little perplexed as to what? where they're running to, where they're running from. They, they didn't know they were just running somewhere. I just wanted to have lunch. <laughs> Whatever was happening was way outside of my control. Wow. Um, but I did IT for the, the public utility there. And okay. um, so we were in the Virginia area for about eight or about eight to 10 years. We were there before moving to Georgia. All right. So you get to Georgia. Yeah. You get here to Woodstock or Cherokee County? We've, we've always lived here in Woodstock. Mm-hmm. So you've seen a huge change in Woodstock over the last, well, I don't know, 10, 12 years. Oh, yeah. Yeah, there's definitely a few more storage facilities and car washes <laughs> and, and things of that nature. <laughs> Absolutely. Pretty soon, a little boutique hotel down the street. <laughs> I know. It'll probably have a car wash, too. <laughs> and storage. <laughs> and uh, storage. Funny. No, uh, but it, it's, 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 yeah, the community overall reminds me a lot of the community we moved from in Virginia. So it. Life happens around it. It grows. It expands. The roads get wider. Um, it's that that inevitable conflict between people want better roads, they want better things, but they don't want more people that <laughs> that ultimately support those things. Or you know, so there's yeah. that weird relationship there. But I mean, we moved here. You know, our kids were really young at the time, so they've grown up. Uh, my daughter graduated from Ottawa High School, and and Just now up the street attends KSU, and uh, my son is a junior at Ottawa High School, and. Uh, working on engineering, you know, pathway program there and everything. So 
it, it's it's been good. You know, we've we live in Town Lake, so the community was already built out. So for us, it, a lot of the growth and things that people experience in a lot of the newer communities around here, we don't have because Town Lake was built in the early '90s. Got you. So so it's pretty stable in terms of you know once you get off exit eight and you go down there, it's pretty much. It's like established, it was, yeah, you know, very established area. Thing. So that's been really good. And, and you know, I have to say we, we landed on a really good street with really great neighbors. Uh, we met most of them when a tree fell in our yard the weekend we were moving in. Oh, my goodness. Um, but the, the neighbors all came out, and, and probably within an hour or two, there were like 20 people out there with some type of chainsaw or something, whatever they had that day, and, and they helped help break it all down and stack it all to the side. And that's how I met most of my neighbors, <laughs> but it's, it's been great. I mean, you know, when you're in a neighborhood and we did, we used to do movie nights a lot out on, out on one of the neighbor's driveway and, and everything. And you always felt like, like I tell my kids, Hey, if anything ever happens, you ever feel afraid you can go to any other neighbor's house and, and you didn't have to worry about it's it. Pretty priceless. So it was, it was really good. Okay. And so now 10 years later, 11 years later, <laughs> we have Taste of 575 Magazine. Can you tell me how this came about? Well, uh, part of what I did during that interim time before starting this uh, at the end of last year, early this year, was that um, I, I worked on, on a conference that I did uh, for professional voice actors and ran that for 10 years. So I was in a lot of event planning and things. But the interesting part about that is that most of the interaction I had was always outside of the community which was really odd because here I would run this conference, which ended up being the largest conference of its kind in the world. But then I'd come home and it didn't mean anything to anybody. They didn't, they didn't know anything about it. Wow. So it was always weird because I go down to the hotel and I'm on the stage in front of hundreds and hundreds of people <laughs> welcome into this conference. And then I come back home and it's like, Hey, can you remember to take the garbage out on your way, <laughs> you know, back down to the conference? And it's like, Wow, you know, I'm a nobody again. I wish I had gone. I, you know, I think I told you I was just starting voiceovers before, yeah. right, right at the time the pandemic started, and so I never got to because they shut everything. They still down. have it. Yeah, they still do it. Someone took it over for me uh, back in 22, and so that created an interesting vacuum because when you you grow something from you know 120 or 30 people, and then it's closer to a thousand people, it's a it's a pretty big transition between those two, but. Uh, one of the things that, that COVID uh, spurred was this realization that while it's great to deal with people from all over the world and all over the country and everything, that ultimately they're not my literal community. Um, so when all those things went away because of COVID and were shut down, you know, I had to look at I really didn't have as strong of a connection to the people and the community as I would have liked to have uh, because so many things were just dependent on things outside of the community. But COVID shut a lot of that down. So, you know, you kind of have Look to start in, in a little way. And, and I had connections to certain business networks and stuff like that. But most of my interaction was outside of the community. So, um, you know, you fast forward to the time, you know, I've moved beyond the conference. And then you're like, okay, what do you want to do? And one of the things I, I kind of set out to do even during the conference phase was figure out how to, to provide some type of resource or services or something that weren't just dependent on say being Woodstock. And then I said, well, you know, maybe I'll do something at the County level. And I was like, well, there's already things done there as well. And you know, I was like, okay, well, how do you, how do you really tie together something that isn't like a neighborhood, which would be an HOA level 
or city or county. And then one day it dawned on me that the one thing we all share in this area is 575. You know, we, we go up and down the road all the time. You know, if you live in ball ground, you probably still go to Kennesaw. If you live in Kennesaw, you may go to Canton, you know, but there's that spur that, that we all travel up and down without even thinking about it. So I decided at that point to treat the area more as a single entity while overlooking the, the, the existing boundaries. So it's not about a specific neighborhood. It's not about a specific city, you know, because there's six main cities in what I call the corridor. There's a, uh, you, you start down in Marietta, uh, you go into Kennesaw, Ackworth, Woodstock, Canton, Ballground. Truth. You're so, right. All together, it's about 310 square miles. It's a little over half a million people in wow. there and things like that. So, so it's a pretty big um, area. But the nice thing about it is that it's 13 zip codes and there's so much that happens in it that you're continually discovering things. Which is what spurred a lot of it, because even now, when I purposely set out to seek things, I still have conversations with people say, hey, I saw that uh, this location wasn't in there. You know, you should add them. I'm like, who are they? Where are they? <laughs> and they're like, well, they're right down there. They've been there like 20 years. I'm like, who knew? <laughs> right. And, and, and so you're constantly finding what I call stuff beyond the tree line. Right. You know, you don't see it. They may not advertise a lot. You don't know they're there. And so it's not even just the food thing. It's, it's like a lot of things that are just beyond the tree line. And, and you don't know about them until somebody that you're talking to one day mentions it to you. Like, hey, Sharon, did you know that such and such was over there? And you're like, no, what? I, I was driving to <laughs> wherever to do this. Yeah. And so the, the goal with it is to, to create um, resources that allow people to know what's around them without feeling like I have to go to Alpharetta, I have to go to Roswell, I have to go to Atlanta, I have to go to Cartersville, I have to go somewhere else where there's so many things right here. Was it natural? Was it natural for you to go the food route and focus on the restaurants? Well, I think it ended up uh, with the food route because I think we were on vacation somewhere and and they had a food magazine. And I said, well, because I originally started off with a guide to 575 and that was more general purpose. And, and I found that it was very difficult to try to cover everything for everybody. And then when I went somewhere and I saw that they had a food-specific one, I said, you know, that works. Why not create more specific, targeted I love that. I, it's, it's needed because there isn't one exactly like this. Right. And so this is just one because, again, Corridor Publishing represents a number of things. So the first one is food and dining. Uh, there'll be a resource I'll bring online for outdoors, and that'll cover, like, your fishing, biking, hunting, swimming, you know, all these kind of things. Anything that doesn't require a referee is what I call it, right? A referee. Uh, yeah, because people will say, well, is it going to have sports? And I'm like, that has referees. No, uh, it doesn't. But but boating Sorry, and, and things like that, absolutely. Hiking, biking, all those kind of things, sure, they can be in there. <laughs> Fishing, yes. Um, then I want to have one for uh, arts and, and theater type stuff. So that's called the Arts on 575. And that'll nice. be for your theater and galleries and things like that. And then the last one was um, called the Sounds of 575. And that's more of your entertainment, venues, you know, festivals, events, things like that. So that would be a go-to guide for you wanting to know what's happening in the area. Now, the natural inclination a lot is people say, well, 
Can't you just get that off Google or get that off of online resources? And the answer is largely yes, you can. But I can tell you that it was maybe a week or two ago, I was sitting there and I pulled up, I think it was Yelp or TripAdvisor or one of those. And I searched for restaurants in Cherokee County. So it brings up these listings and I'm like, wow, I haven't even heard of these restaurants before. Well, you know why I hadn't heard of them before? Because they weren't in Cherokee County. Oh, really? Right. They didn't specifically make they, them. They, they, they put the fact that they're sponsored in such an indescript way oh. that when you first look at it, you don't know that. But none of the 10 listings at the very top, five on each row, not a single one of them was in Cherokee County. Interesting. And so, and it's also very distracting. So you go in there and you're just looking for somewhere to go for brunch and all these listings that keep coming up, you get all excited, but it's in Atlanta. Yeah. It's in Alpharetta. Some of them was in Decatur. I was like, (laughs) how do you get from Woodstock to Decatur? That's so interesting because it's like you are specifically putting in an area and it's not listening to you at all. Yeah. (laughs) And that's not helpful. You're right. It's frustrating. That's happened to me as well. So. Now so you that's, have. that's why my corridor always focuses on on what's here. And if something is outside the area, it'll be very well indicated that it's a sponsored thing and, you know, where it's located or something like that. But the main listings of them are all in this area. What has been the most surprising to you as you've had this magazine uh, become published? Wow. <laughs> Well, probably the easy part of that is is realizing just how many places there are. <laughs> yeah. Um, even when you start off and you start doing your searches and you realize that there are a lot of places that for one reason or another just don't show up. Even when you do a Google search, there are places that I will only find online when I know their name you do a specific and I search, search. Oh. specifically for their name. But if I just search for barbecue or search for French or whatever, they may never show up. Wow. Because a lot of them just don't advertise. They, they, they're not tech people. They're, they're restaurant they're people. They're small <laughs> restaurant people. They're, they're working hard. They do great things. They have great food, great establishment. They just don't have the bandwidth to uh, take on all the extra stuff. So It's been so surprising how many restaurants are out there that no one's heard of. I, I Is, mean, there's over, there's like 115 in the magazine right now. Wow. Yeah. Is there one that you just were, just want to shout to the to the rooftops is so good. No, because then I'm gonna get in trouble. Oh, oh! I did put you in an awkward position, didn't I? No. <laughs> well, no, no. I guess I'm I'm saying like well, they're hidden categories, gems, right? They're, they're, they're categories. Gems. So, so that that's where it gets interesting because they really they all have their strengths. Uh, I think they're unique, and it's always a little tricky for me to get into one versus another because my mission. With this, it's more so to raise awareness for the community of restaurants or or businesses that I'm dealing with. And so it's not really one versus the other. It's maybe just finding the ones that fit for you. I tell people, you know, go out and try them all. You know, the goal is that someone doesn't have to drive to Milton to eat. They can go to Canton and try somewhere new. They can go to Marietta Square and try something new. They can go to Ballground and try something new. Realizing that all I have to do is hop on one road, get off a couple exits away, and, and I can experience something new. But I will say, I will say probably the most unique place, if I had to point out something, because this is very specific to them. Okay. There's a Nuevos Amigos, which mm-hmm. is a Mexican restaurant right on okay. Sixes Road. And the unique part about them is that they sit up top a hill. They're right next to a B&B Tavern, 
over there, which I also like. But they're in a shopping area, so it's more of a traditional setup. You drive by, you see them there. But Nemos Amigos is unique in the sense that you really don't notice them from the road. I never knew they were there. And I was like, what is this place? You know, we were searching something. I was like, where is this place? And so uh, my wife and I went there for brunch one Sunday. And you, you drive, the parking lot's a little bit on a hill, then you go on up, and then you walk out. And there's this absolutely gorgeous view Oh, I love out that. the back. And you can see, like, the mountains and, and everything. And so they have this large yard area. There's a big fire pit. There's a giant water fountain there. And so I have to say it's the most unique setting that that I've experienced in the area. And there are other places that have great views as well. I know um, J. Michael Prime up in uh, Canton. Canton as well. They have a nice view, but it's a small balcony type thing, whereas Nuevos Amigos is like giant <laughs> space out back. And, and it was really, really unique in that way. So in, in those situations, yes, I think some of them are, are benefit from the the place where they're located and things like that. But as far as the restaurants themselves, they're each unique. I, I go to dive a lot. Um, they have great food. They're right there near Riverstone Bistro, who has a, a nice rooftop bar as well. And there's just a number of them that are unique in their own way. That's why it's so much fun to to explore. Right, because just, there's room for everyone. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and we continue to find new ones, which is... It's a crazy, right? <laughs> absolutely incredible. There's a place I just discovered the other day. I was uh, coming back, and I was on Chastain Road, I believe it is. I was sitting at a traffic light, and I saw that this place called Churros. And I was like, I think it's Churros. Uh, yeah, I'm pretty sure it is. Churros. Yeah, it's a Brazilian steakhouse that just opened like two months ago. Oh. And I was like, oh, that's interesting. Let me go over there and stop in. And I went in, and I'm, I'm a low-carb guy, so I, I eat a lot of meats, you know, kind yeah. of thing. And the meats were phenomenal. I mean, they were they were really, really good. I didn't have to add anything to them. No salt, no pepper, nothing. It was just super flavorful uh, meat. And it was all these different types on the skewers, and the guy cut it for you and everything. It was great. But they sat down this hill. You really didn't see them from the road just driving by. And because they were new, they're still trying to get the word out. So I was able to go in, met the owner for a moment, was able to add them in the latest latest edition of the magazine. And so, Do you feel like people are getting to know who you are? Like, can you be the um, anonymous, just regular customer? <laughs> for now. <laughs> for now. I'm thinking if people are, you're going to start getting recognized. And like you said, you like being the under the radar, just regular representative of whatever, you know, yeah. normal person who's eating dinner. But there's always that trade off because one of, one of the, the pros and cons, um, if there's such a phrase here, is that when, when you're in a smaller community, I think it's harder to stay arm's length. Mm. At some point, you've got to get in You've got to get in it. You know, you've got to jump in and you've got to meet people and you've got to give them a chance to meet you. Because I think in a larger city, if we were in Atlanta or something like that, or even a lot closer to Atlanta, where you're you're sharing, you know, four million people, there's probably hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of restaurants down there. So you can stay a little more arm's length because it's more of a, the business of it all. But I think when you get to communities like this area, people kind of want to know you a little more. They want to meet you a little more. Um, they want to know a little more about you. They want to know how you connect to the community, uh, things like that. And so I think that as time goes on, they they see me more. They meet me more. They know that 
Well, yes, I, I'd love for you to advertise. It's not a requirement. You know, I'm not going to see you as a worse or better place because you do or don't advertise with me. Got you. Yeah. Is there is there something you wish you knew uh, before you got started publishing this magazine um, that could have helped you along the way? Or are there any sort of lessons that you have that you would, would want to tell somebody else if they were interested in starting a magazine? Well, uh, probably the best thing to know would have been all the, uh, the numbers to the Powerball. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my no, gosh. That would have probably shortened the, the process a lot. Uh, but, no, I, I, think, I think the thing is having, having in high school learned printing and graphics and being able to largely design and put the magazine together myself, um, I had an assistant who helped me some with it as well. But – that that makes it a lot easier. I think it's definitely like anything else. You know, when you look at it from a distance, you think you kind of know what's what it takes to get going. And as life would have it, it's always a lot more to it than than you think it is. But fortunately, in the process, I was able to add a lot of printing equipment and have a background in that. So I'm able to print some of the magazines myself, um, especially like the samples and things, because the quality is very important. And I think that's what I want people to see when they look at it is that this is not um, just some throw out their magazine. I want the images to be great. I want the restaurants to look at it and feel great. There's a section in the back where, you know, I have the restaurants um, have an opportunity to add their menu to showcase awesome. what their menu looks like, not what everybody else's menu looks like, but what theirs looks like. Got you. So that's an area where I sometimes say that, you know, when we grew up, there was always that drawer in the house where you toss all the yeah. recipes. Well, I want the magazine to be able to be either on the coffee table or in that drawer because you know that whenever you want to find something to eat, you can easily look through the menus or you can go to the website, tasteof575.com, and you could easily search from anywhere in this area. It'll show you where you are on the map. It'll show you the restaurants that are around you. You can filter on different things and it'll help you. And you know that it focuses on this area. So you've got a physical mm -hmm. printed magazine, but you also have the online version. Yes, there's a digital version of it. Um, all the content is also in the website. And uh, we're getting to where I'm adding a lot more content to the website. And ultimately, I'd love to be adding in some video segments and things like that. So it's like one step at a time. But uh, Was there any kind of question about having a physical magazine as opposed to something online? We had talked briefly about that. Like so many people go online and do searches for things, but I personally, just as because <laughs> I'm an old person, <laughs> uh, I like the physical magazine. I like being able to flip through and look, and there's just something nice about it. Yeah, I, I see it as an all over the above approach. So um, I too grew up in a certain age where you know we learned how to write cursive and we had pencils and paper and, <laughs> and things like that. And and the funny thing is, I'll talk to people and they they have this notion almost that because things are digital, that somehow everybody went digital and there's nobody left. And that is so false. There are plenty of people who don't have any social media accounts. There are plenty of people who still write checks. They still get the paper. Still get the paper. And sure, it's not as many as there once were, but that's okay. I think they, they deserve to have a place where they can sit at the doctor's office and thumb through a magazine, see beautiful images that represent 
the dining opportunities in the area. They know they're fairly close to home. They can drive to them. They can go check them out when they have a chance and things like that. And so it was never uh, a thing of me saying, oh, well, let's go all digital and just keep it all easy. No, um, I have a distributor that puts the magazine out in over 200 and nearly 250 locations around the area. And I'm working on some other things to put it in close to 20,000 homes on a regular basis. That's so, amazing. Yeah. It's exciting, isn't it? It is draining, but exciting. Draining. <laughs> How do you balance your home life and like doing this magazine? Oh my gosh. I'm glad my <laughs> wife's not here with me answering <laughs> that question. But uh, it, it's, you know, I, I don't know. I, I think that um, you just take it a day at a time and you, you look at it like I do in the sense that you, you learn to appreciate the process because in, in some ways, as much as, Small businesses want to start off and grow right out the gate. There's some things you need to learn along the way. There's some experiences you need to have along the way so that when those bigger opportunities come up, you're ready for them. You know, there are people I know now that I could reach out to and, and ask for referrals or ask to give a plug, but I'm waiting till the right time when I've gotten to the right place because you don't want to spend those opportunities um, early on and then you get a bunch of attention and all of a sudden you're really not ready for mm -hmm. it because that could be a bad thing because you may never get that chance Truth. <laughs> to make that first impression. And so I think it's important sometimes as a, as a, a newer publication to, to try to find your identity. So in my case is, is being very specific about who you're trying to reach. When you see that magazine lying on the table, I want you to know it's food and dining, whether it's upright on, on the front or the back. I want you to know it has something to do with food and dining. And all of the publications will follow that same type of uh, approach. Do you use a specific photographer? Like, do you have resources that way? Or do you kind of find someone that you need to be able to take a picture of this particular dish at this restaurant? It, it varies. I okay. don't have, I have a photographer that I work with for uh, some restaurants who need to upgrade their images. Uh, that does get to be a little tricky sometimes because they may feel like they have images that are, are great, but because of the, your vision, the look and feel for where I want the magazine to sit. Uh, sometimes I have to find gentle ways to say, Hey, look, you know, I'm not saying yours are bad. <laughs> They're just not good for this. this oh, purpose. interesting. Because I need the images to speak. Um, I, I don't do a bunch of coupon stuff in there. It's not that kind of magazine. It's not a penny pincher or money mailer type things. Those things all have their place. Um, I want the magazine to have a certain look and feel so that when person picks it up, they feel good about the magazine. They feel good about the images. I want that to transfer to let me find somewhere in here to go eat, you know, to spend my, my time and my money. I love that on the front you say, don't travel for more than 100 restaurants close to home. It does make you feel like, well, I don't have to go all the way over to Avalon or I don't have to go down right. south of Kennesaw. You know, I love that you are focusing on people that are directly, like you said, in your community. Absolutely. There, I don't think there's anything in there that if you were at the, the farthest tip of ball ground, you could reach the farthest end of Marietta within like 30 minutes. Partly because True. the highway is a thousand yeah. miles an hour, but yeah. <laughs> and it's five seventy five. <laughs> yeah, but but that's the idea that you don't have to go far. There are a lot of things here. Um, we, we're going to be doing some things later, highlighting some of, even some of the vineyards. We don't have a lot that are directly in there. A couple that are in the area, but, but they're pretty close. Yeah. Um, 
there are vineyards in there. There's just so many varieties. And some of the restaurants are a little higher end than, than others, but that's the beauty of it, that if you want to go out to that really special occasion, you can do that. If you want to go to something a little more casual, you can do that. But the nice thing about being in the suburbs is that the line between super fancy and super casual is not as structured as it is if you're in the big city. Truth. You know, we went to an event. Uh, my wife and I went to an event at Matt Life, and we were dressed fairly casually, but, but uh, you know, it was a nice casual, I guess. But we left, and we went over to Aspen's, um, which is on the, on the fringe of, of my area. But it was nice. I mean, we went in and we had an appetizer. We really enjoyed ourselves. It was a great experience going there. But um, we just continue to try to find places in there. And, and that is a big commitment I have because sometimes, you know, I want something simple. But I say, you know what, I'm, I'm going to frequent places in there. And I've gotten through probably more than half of them <laughs> at this point. But uh, it's fun to go in. And there's probably only been a couple of instances where I've elected to uh, <laughs> reconsider someone <laughs> being on the list. I'll put it like that. Interesting. Um, not that they were bad or anything like that, but the, the general rule of thumb for me is if, if I visit a place and I don't feel like I can encourage you to come, or if you mentioned it and I had to hesitate, I probably would just leave them off. So I, I don't want to ever have to hesitate about a place that's in the magazine. If, if you were to mention, Hey, we're thinking about checking out this place. I want to be able to wholeheartedly say, definitely check it out. Let me know what you think. Well, would you say that you have a, a fearless formula? Like what, what, what gives you courage if there are moments where you're sort of like, I'm in over my head or this isn't working the way I thought it would. Like what is your way that you manage the natural sort of trappings of being a small business owner? Yeah. Well, I, I, let me spend that a little bit. I, I think as a small business owner, you should be over your head. Because if you're just standing there, you're, you're probably not taking any chances. You're probably not making a big impact on something because you're playing it safe. You know, um, the, the nature of it is that you're doing something different. You're doing something that's not safe. If you want it safe, get a nine to five. You know, if, if you want to venture to gain something big or make a big impact or a huge splash, you're going to have to get out of, out of your comfort zone. And again, be understanding of the fact that it's a process. You know, it, it doesn't matter how much you want it to happen right now. We say it, it's more akin to farming than hunting. Interesting. How right? is that? How is it more? Well, if you think about it, like, you know, if, if I were going to be hunting, right, I would, I would go and I'd get whatever type of, you know, tools I need for hunting or traps or rifles or whatever. And if I know generally where to go, I can go. And, and in one day I've accomplished my hunt, right? It's a pretty straightforward process. But in farming, it requires a different level of patience. It's not based on if you can sit in the stand or something for a couple of hours. It's if you can be patient for months and for weeks. And if you can realize that I'm going to plant this crop over here, it's not going to even sprout for a while. It doesn't mean that nothing's happening. It means that now i got to prep the soil on the other area. And then i got to prep the soil on the other area. And i got to come back and water it. i got to do all these things. It's a process that takes a lot of time sometimes before you ever even get to the signs that you're on the right track. So it's, that, it's that delayed gratification. Oh, very delayed. Sometimes very delayed, extra delayed. It's super delayed. <laughs> but there's, but there's a certain... There's a certain um, accomplishment to it. And, you know, you constantly evaluate it. The nice thing is that there are a lot of resources that are available. 
these days. Um, I benefit from, you know, a lot of the business relationships that I've, I've met in the community. Uh, I've also, also participated in the Small Business Development Center down at uh, KSU. And then there's another organization that started not long ago called Hatch Bridge uh, down at KSU as well. And go in and be able to work through some business ideas and concepts and, and conversations and things like that. So I think if people are trying to do things, you know, take advantage of the opportunities that are out there. And most of them are programs that are sometimes run by the state or different things. So you, they're not expecting you to pay. They know you're starting and they have resources available to help you. But you got to be willing to put in the work. That's your fearless formula. Yeah, put in the work. Put in the work. Take take it a day at a time. And sometimes you just, I get to where I'm sitting there sometimes and and I'm on fumes. And Mm -hmm. I just have to ask myself, you know, have you done everything you could do today? And then you say, pretty much. It's okay. Shut it down. Go to bed. (laughs) I like that because there's a little element of, I can't control the universe. I can only control myself and what's supposed to happen will happen. There's always like a surrender you know, to it. Yeah. When I, I had this phrase, which I think will be applicable here, when, when I was doing the conference, I would say, you know, it's not my job to make things happen. It's my job to create an environment in which great things can happen. Nice. So you're the, the behind the scenes. I like being behind the scenes. But I like, I don't know, you know, I'm so conflicted on that sometimes because I, I like having an element of presence, but I don't want it to just be uh, about me. I'm the exact same. I was talking about this recently with Joe Cianciolo, who was on the show with his company, Front Porch Advisors. And we were talking about before the show how I'd like to ask the questions. I don't like it to be about me. I want it to be about you. But I do ask the questions. So there's like I'm in it. But it's more about like, how do you feel at the end of the interview? How do you like do you feel like you were heard? And so it's funny. It's like, yeah, I'm part of it. But like, I don't like it about me. I like it about the person who's here. So it's, but you have to be part of it too. So it's like you a little are, weird. Like a funny space. thing, you know, I was thinking about it as you were saying this, I'm thinking like, well, what, what was success look like and feel like for me with, with, you know, say the taste of 575 magazine. And, and it's one hand I could say, well, yeah, if I sign up all this stuff and generate all this revenue and, and that would be true. But I think the bigger prize for me would be able to point to a number of restaurants in there that say, through the magazine, through the resources surrounding the magazine, that restaurant was able to point to growth. They were able to point to to more people knowing they existed because I really try to operate from the mindset that when you win, I win. Mm -hmm. And when I win, you win. Win wins are they're they're the best. Yeah. And and people say, yeah, but you're, you're just making money or something like, sure. But guess what? I want my growth of money to be directly connected to your growth of money. Mm And so I want your, your till to be full too. I don't want it to be empty while mine's full because then I, that, that doesn't work long. So I want to get to that place where when you walk in, you know, people can have that, that ongoing testimonial that says, man, it's so great working with you guys. I love being yeah, in the magazine. Thank and you. It's yeah. great to know. Um, we have a lot of tourists that come through the area as well. So one of the things we do is make sure the magazine, we have it in 20 hotels and stuff in the area. And we emphasize that. In, in the distribution to make sure that when people visit the area, they tend to all look for something to eat, right? So if they're left to just shopping online, they're going to end up in those places. They're going to end up in Alpharetta because that's what's going to come up in the search because those people pay to sponsor to be at the top of those searches. Whereas I prioritize everything within the corridor. 
you know, it's not to say that someone couldn't do an app, but I prioritize things that are local. So you can rest assured that there's always an emphasis on local first. Well, if someone wanted to get in touch with you, either to talk about being in the magazine or kind of talk about advertising in some way, anything, how could they how could they reach you? The best way is just go to tasteof575.com. Um, there's a link there for advertising. There's a link there for contact and, and everything like that. And uh, Like if it's a restaurant owner who's like, oh my gosh, no one knows about my restaurant like mm-hmm. they would if I was in this magazine, you know? Yeah. And the neat thing too is that because I do a lot of the printing as well, um, I help restaurants, some of them now even redesign their menus and I print their menus for them and everything well, like thought? that. That's so cool. A little side business. Yeah. And and so because I'm local, it works out great because they don't have to order 500 of them um, at a time. They can order a smaller quantity. We can do the regular paper ones. We can do uh, the synthetic p- plastic type ones and things nice. like that. And But I always try to work with them. You know, I'm, I'm not a very, I'm not very good at someone just saying, oh, you know, here's the file, just print it. I look at it and I go, you know, okay, this looks great. This doesn't, if, if there's some challenges with it or opportunities to help them do better because I come from a printing background is, you know, I'll ask, you know, um, you know, the font looks a little small or something. And I noticed that your restaurant has somewhat dim lighting. So if your average patron is 30, 35 years old, dim lighting, small font doesn't work. So maybe we'll go to a larger size or maybe we'll reduce the number of items on it. So it's a dialogue. It's a relationship there. Again, I want you to do well. And if helping you improve your menu and your customer experience helps you do well, then that's what I want to be to you. I want to be a resource provider, not just a vendor. Well, Gerald Griffith, master of, no, jack of all (laughs) trades, master of none, but you have a lot of skills that are very useful. What was the phrase? Whatever that phrase was, it sounds like you're in the Jack exact right Jack of all right trades, <laughs> master of none is oft times better than a master. Well, look at one. how all these different skills that you naturally have yeah. are just being all put together in, in one very yeah. successful publication, you know, and then yeah. how you're impacting the community in such a positive way where you get to see the growth. And And wouldn't it be great to come back in like six months and talk about what you've learned along the way and how, you know, the different parts of your magazine. And if you can also point to, like you were saying, restaurants that feel like they've been able to really be highlighted and grow because of the gift that you're giving them, you know? Absolutely. And that's, and that's the best part. Come back. You can do well because you help other people. Yes. Yeah. We'll come back and we'll talk about it again in like six months or. Would love to. Yay. (laughs) We'll do some on-location stuff. We'll go ahead and. Uh, I would love that too. Maybe maybe one of the restaurants will be really nice and and have us out and we can just sit there and. And chit chat. And chit chat and have some Mm -hmm. good food and talk about the specials and stuff like that. Okay. Well, I don't see one downside. (laughs) 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 Not one downside to any of that. (laughs) Sounds like a plan. All right. Thank you for coming to the show and sharing your story. I'm really excited to see where you go. It'll be really fun. Well, I appreciate you having me. It's been a pleasure. Awesome. Well, um, all of you, thank you for listening to Fearless Formula um, on Business Radio X. And again, this is Sharon Klein reminding you that with knowledge and understanding, we can all have our own fearless formula. Have a great day.